Guys, just to clear this story up, I've been electrocuted before and it was a horrifying experience. So now, even if I know that it's not a dangerous amount of electrical current, just the, the remembering of that being electrocuted, I can't like, so I pull it out of the hot tub and the flash is flashing uncontrollably. And so then I was like, where's the uvula at? Couldn't find it. Laugh track. Oh my gosh, we'd have the best podcast with laugh track. <laughs> Welcome to the Games Revealed Podcast, brought to you by Bunny Strike Studios. This is James. This and is I'm Shag- Tyson. And this is Shagwa. <laughs> oh my god. And I don't gosh. know how to look at the direction that uh, James is pointing, so... <laughs> it's because I'm used you to Tyson being last. on the left side You of me. know you're last. <clears throat> I don't know. Have we ever done that in a different order? No, we've never. Oh, we've god, always no. done it. Most important to least important. Yeah. You say that like I would be paying attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, the Sh- this is the Shag and James Podcast. Tyson's leaving. Yep. And I've never been on the podcast before, so I'm excited that this is my first time. (laughs) (laughs) So today's game we're covering is going to be Darkest Dungeon, or Dankest Dungeon, if you some might say. Dankest Dunkirk. Dankest Dunkirk. (laughs) And it's a a game that Tyson really, really loves, and he requested it, and so we uh, we just kind of yeeted... Last of Us Part 2 to do this game instead, so you guys are welcome. Uh, Dankus Dunkirk deserves the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get it wrong and correct yourself <laughs> to the correct oh, thing. But even, even I'm excited about this one. I've, I've had my eye on Darkest Dungeon for the longest time. It has a lot of similar qualities to just the general game type that I love, but there's, a, there's enough differences. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. There's enough differences in there that I've been hesitant to pull the trigger on it. But I've watched Tyson play it, and it does look very good. Or I should say previously I had watched Tyson play it. Now I've had a chance to play it, and we'll talk about that as we get going here. Yeah, yeah, we will. It's, it's a game that <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of uh, consequences in my games where <laughs> I could lose everything. Oh, got it. Like it, permadeath kind of stuff, unless it's done right. And I feel like this game does it right. But I was always hesitant because I'm like... Looks like there's a lot to get started. It's a very high entry point to get into the game. I'm going to be real. When you first said that, my reaction before you finished your sentence was like, I took damage in this game? F this game. <laughs> I don't like consequences. What do you mean I couldn't take more than four rocket blasts to my face before I die? <laughs> Unacceptable! I'm more like a Final Fantasy kind of guy, you know, where there's no consequences. Yeah, you just sail right through those games. Nothing's hard. Takes yeah. zero thinking. Yeah, that's why I, I, hate, I hate all of you. That's why I don't like those games. Oh, I hate all of you so much. <laughs> Nobody talks about my life companion that way. Oh, fi- final <laughs> nerf to see. Yeah, I'm good with that game. Nerf. <laughs> you got that nerf life. <laughs> it's it's such an easy game. It nerfed your life. Mm-hmm. Your life. Right, we got we got to keep going on Darkest Dungeon because I will start following this trail down the Final Fantasy lane, and that's what this <laughs> podcast will turn into. <laughs> Welcome to Final Fantasy. Lane. <laughs> uh, no, but it's this is an exciting topic because uh, I've always thought the art style looked really good, and that's one of the things I really liked about the game. And so I'm really excited that I was able to play it. So I got about eight to ten weeks, maybe ten weeks into the game, which is not that far, but I spent probably a good you know. Mm, probably eight hours in the game so far in the sense of like I spent a few hours in the beginning just reading things. Oh, yeah. And then it, as I got playing more and more, it just it seems like it takes a long time to get through some dungeons. 
That's actually what got me first interested in the game, period, was the art style. Uh, I was watching this guy, uh, no affiliation here, but Tangent Gaming. I was watching him, and he was playing it. And honestly, I don't really care about those games. Excuse me. Ooh, got a little burp or something going on. Let's all enjoy that. Uh, but uh, I usually don't like these kind of games, turn-based uh, turn combat uh, style games, so I usually don't find myself leaning towards them. But the, the art style, the way that you play, going through the dungeons, it is all pretty simple, but at the same time, it's pretty complex though, the way that they programmed it and the, the way that they made it look so by far super interesting super dark and just gnarly looking so yeah that. well I, there's another game that seems like it's very similar but it's a uh, more of a strategy game like it's, i think it's like age of vampires but when you go into a battle that you really liked what was that like there was a age of empires oh uh no this uh is that total war where you have this the rts style advanced war fight no advanced wars? well like on that was on, like, the Nintendo uh, yes. DS. Yeah. I think it's out on Switch now. <clears throat> no, it was another one. It was a specific strategy game you loved it back in the day. I think it was only on PC. And it was... Uh, oh, uh, freaking Heroes Yes, of Might is Magic. it that one? Yeah. yeah. Heroes of Might and Magic 3. So You good. loved oh that game so much. I, I, I nerded out, like, not even a year ago on that game again. Just mm -hmm. freaking running through campaigns and running through just skirmishes and stuff. That's oh, what this, I love that game. This game felt like uh, Dead Souls. Not Dead Souls. Dark Souls. Dark Souls. There we go. Dead Souls. Demon Souls. We went through Dead Space, and so everything's like... Dark everything's Space. Dead. <laughs> Deadest Dungeon. Deadest Dungeon. Dunkirk. Dead oh, sorry. Space. Darkest Space. <laughs> Game Universe is actually going back to the last episode. Darkest Dungeon would be kind of a crappy yeah, universe actually. to live in. Yeah, coming in because literally ch your chances of survival in that game are like so slim. Like, honestly, unless you play like easy mode and safe mode all the way till the end, you still could have guys die. But yeah, this would be a shitty universe to live in. There's a, oh, I'm getting on the stagecoach. I'm getting the hell out of here. And then it literally just comes back to the manor. Like, I feel like that's like once it's like a, what is that world? Like almost like a twilight zone where once you've passed that threshold, you're in the Twilight Zone loop. <laughs> so even if you were to get on the stagecoach, it would just bring you right back to the manor. And so your options are you get dismissed or you get dead. It's like it's not on your terms. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... It would be a, a horrible universe. But it definitely, like, to bring it back to the heroes, it, like, I saw you love that game. This game is not the same thing, but it has some... I feel like some similar aspects to it, like with the turn-based. Because that oh, was yeah. turn-based, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But then it has that darkness that you like. It has a lot oh, yeah. of stuff that you like. It's Lovecraftian, by the way. So Big a time. little description about the game is yeah. it's heavily Lovecraftian um, inspired. Even so much so that the uh, voiceover actually does the voiceover for a lot of Lovecraftian uh, books. Yeah. The so, voice actor, you mean? Yeah, the narrator. Yeah, the narrator. That's gotcha. what it is. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I like his voice a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I constantly just repeat his phrases in my house you know speaking of the narration one of the things that immediately struck me with how it's done is it reminded me a lot of how bastion did their narration and i that was one of my favorite aspects of bastion was just like the narrator big like, the boy does this you know and just explains what's going on i always loved that and you get a lot of, i mean very different tone because it's a darker game but it's just that same quality and that same immersion that you're getting just from just from a guy speaking like it's amazing how much it brings you into especially where the, one of the unique things about this game is that 
graphically, and I don't mean like art fidelity or any of that. I mean like as far as like how how intricate they went with the what is displayed on your screen. It's really minimal. And you're still able to get really sucked in because they do such a great job of creating an atmosphere between the music and the narration. Yep. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, and just like, because you brought that up, because they also mentioned that in the documentary, the uh, art style and how he, the lead or like the creative director or whatever, the guy that does all the, the art and all that, mm-hmm. he talked about like he really liked really detailed art up until he got to a, one guy where he's like, this is garbage. Why would they insert this into this comic? Like, it's so simple and stuff. And then he, he just spent some time like criticizing and then realized he loved it and he just went down that route he just loved it, it was so funny it's yeah. a hilarious thing because i've had that happen with a book before where i read a book and i could not stop talking to my other bookish friends about how much i couldn't stand it and two months later i realized i was still talking about this book and it turns <laughs> out it was actually like i really did like the book it was just there was so much to process post reading it so many like conflicting emotions and things I just hadn't considered before and I needed those conversations to kind of work my way through it all. So if y'all have ever read A Tale of Two Cities uh, or really anything by Charles Dickens, prepare to hate it and then months later just really respect how baller that guy is as an author. (laughs) That's how some of the the literature is, especially with books, where um, you'll get done with it and sometimes not be satisfied or whatnot, but once you have a time to mull over the story, Mm -hmm. then you start to realize, okay, actually it was a good story. It's kind of a read hallmark it again, but it's for, a good one. It's kind of a hallmark for what I consider making a game good is or really any type of media. And it's this is my personal preference. It's what I seek out of media, but I want to be thinking about it. I want that to impact me. And so that to me that's a good hallmark of a game is like have I spent time mulling over even if it's things that frustrated me. If I've spent a good amount of time thinking about it, post playing it, post listening to it, post reading it, that's a good sign to me that it's well done. It may not be my favorite topics. It may not have rubbed me the right way, but the fact that it got me thinking, like that, that always impresses me, and it's always something that I look for in any type yeah. of media that I you that might I consume. You might like Last of Us Part Two then. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I loved the first one. the The main reason I haven't played Last of Us Part Two is because the first game was so yeah. well rounded yeah. that I feel like I'm going to diminish oh, the experience. Is of this the, first the Last game. of Us Two podcast? <laughs> so it I was just supposed listen, to be. I'm gonna complete this thought and then move away from it. But yeah, we can. I feel like playing Sorry. the second one would diminish the first one because of how just well done the first one was. I'm just nervous. I'm nervous to wreck an experience that I hold in such. And that's why. Room. That's why I played it is because there was so much discussion. I'm like, I have to find out for myself. We won't talk about it. There will be a podcast at one point on it. And uh, it's this one. But the Darkest Dungeon, <laughs> in some to way. The Final Fantasy Darkest Dungeon Last of Us 2 <laughs> podcast. We'll throw a little dead space in there. Yeah. Uh, no, Where but. It? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about EA while we're at it. <laughs> EA is a killer of games and hope. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> finish, finish your thought, man. But the Darkest Dungeon it, it also has that a little bit, where you'll walk away angry and just like, oh. But then you got like, I had a whole team die, and I kind of wanted them to like. I could have ran away, but I was at that point, I had two left. I'm like, I could run away. I'm just gonna let it die. And then I, as I let everything go, and I just walked away. I was a little upset. I'm like, you know, that still was a good run, though. It was fun. I had a fun time. You had to digest a little bit, and oh, I yeah. feel like that's how it is with, with Darkest Dungeons a little bit. You definitely don't want to play. To, especially in the beginning, too much in one run is what I feel like. You want to do it in spurts until you get better. Yeah. That's what well, it feels you like. You definitely need those consequences. <laughs> no consequences. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a high learning curve. That is damn for sure. Oh, and we'll be spending a good moment on that because I won't stop talking about it. <laughs> I sacrificed many, <clears throat> many a game file, many a character in that game to get to my perfect playthrough. Did you sacrifice any characters? Because here's Tyson over here playing. Oh, fuck. Turn off the, control, the, the machine. Okay, turn it back on. Yeah, no, I got all my characters. This is good going, man. This is so easy. Look at look at my graveyard. There's no one in there. I'm like, yeah, there was no one in there. And he's got like okay, okay, seven okay, million okay, gold. Okay, okay, okay. So let's let's just let's just clarify this. I accidentally getting back into the habit of the game used my camping wood fire on an altar that doesn't do shit. And I went. I bet if I turn my console off right now, I might be able to get that wood fire back. Here's the half did of the it, story. Did it? Did it, motherfucker? <laughs> and went. Oh, hey, look, James. Looks like if you just just fuck something up just bad enough, you could turn your shit off and just barely get your shit back. I was literally literally to the point where I didn't use the fucking but right before. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But. Got my campfire back. It happened more than once, like a 10-minute period. It happened three times, I think. Getting back into the game on Switch, which is way different on Switch. It is very different. Using the B as a back button where it's A as should be and all these other fucking weird things. Yeah, sorry that happened two fucking times. But no, yeah, I did. Between PC and Switch, I've killed more people than you've even fucking looked well, listen, at. Listen, nothing I'm about to say is factual, but the half of the story that Tyson forgot <laughs> to tell you is once he knew he could do that, that's all he did. No. Restarted the game on hardest difficulty and about, you know, 300 times every session, turned the game off, fixed what he did wrong, and played it again. And that's why he has 100% trophies on that game. <laughs> I have no trophies on that game because it's on Switch and there are no trophies on that game. <laughs> You guys are whores. Hey, that's why I prefaced it with the nothing I'm about to say is factual. Hey, all I know is you guys are whores. All I know is you got that gold somehow, and you didn't have any deaths. Yeah. And he literally reset the, yeah, literally, the console you, to save you put, himself. You put, Coincidence? You put, you put 200 weeks into the game where you're maxing out your dungeons. Yeah, bitches. Y'all could get rolling in the in the deep gold, but y'all pleb ass running around going, what's this medicinal herb for? Maybe I'll just get wrecked by some dogs. And I'm over here like, houndmaster bitch. Listen, so here's, okay. here's the real dirty secret about Tyson's playthrough. I saw the sticker peeling off of his Switch version of the game. No, he didn't buy it digital. And uh, <laughs> as, I I peeled, it digital. as I peeled it down a little more, I could see that he had taken a Darkest Dungeon sticker and placed it over Hello Kitty Island Adventure. And this is what yeah, he's claiming as his playthrough. And you still reset your system because you, <laughs> yeah, you did hey, still reset his hey, system. Hey, all I know is, is if you place down one wrong love Hello Kitty icon, you need to pick that shit back up or it's fucking permanent. Yeah, yeah. and if you don't grab enough sprinkles to upgrade your stuff, like, the F game's way sprinkles. harder. And I min-max my sprinkles. Yeah, that's true. Okay, all right. So, getting into it, you hooker-ass bitches... <laughs> I'm getting heated because they're they're minimalizing all of my hard work and all of the lives oh, this that went into my really, skills. This yeah. really all run. of the lost men that have went into my knowledge. She really has poured hours into this you game. Freaking like bastards! That's what makes it even worse. He cheated. It's a very no, it's a very it's a very easy game. If you've never played it, you're gonna love it. Yeah, that's definitely one thing. It is a hard game. Worth picking up, especially if you like the art style. Just look at the art style. If you like that, you're probably going to enjoy the game. <laughs> so just a, just a quick little <laughs> brief overview of the game. Obviously, uh, it was created by Red Hook Studios. 
Um, it runs an affliction system in battle, so and there's a lot to juggle. So not only are you juggling your health, but you're juggling stress, you're uh, juggling disease, you're juggling balls, you're slapping your wet wife's wet butt cheeks to make sound effects. James over there m- miming, <laughs> smacking some booties. Y'all just rolled so deep, and I'm not sure I can follow with you on this one. When we get into half or into uh, Black Mesa, the remake of Half-Life 1, we're, you're going to get into that fact. Yeah, oh, just just know that that is a fact for Black Mesa, and it is applicable there. Hold on. You're telling me wet butt cheek slaps are heard in Black Mesa, yes. Wow. The sound designer went and did that. Well, hey, at least his... there's context to what you were saying. I'm over here just like doe-eyed, just like, Sorry. what are you guys Sorry. talking it about? It literally shouldn't even have been brought up, except for I saw James do the motion, and I'm like, I got to say it. Listen, I'm going to let Tyson say his piece right here, but I need, to go, I need to say this. For any of you guys that thought that we'd have our shit together by now, no. Nope. No. Yeah, this. Uh, welcome, welcome to the most tangent, fucking uh, filled podcast uh, so far. This one's definitely hey, gonna be. Take it away, Tyson. Yeah. Anyway, so there, there, there's a lot to juggle in the game. Uh, not, not to mention the the different ways to cleanse the curios that you find throughout the dungeons. Uh, there's just a lot to juggle in this game. So it is a very high learning curve. Uh, but once you figure it out, once you get it down, and realize when to just kind of run away and when to kind of uh, keep it going. Uh, that's when the loot starts rolling in. Give me and the then loot. you can Give me the slap loot. as many wet butt cheeks as you want when you're running with 13 million gold at the hamlet and everything's been built and you've been running it for 200 weeks. Mm-hmm. And one of these days you'll work up the balls to enter the Crimson Court again. <laughs> <laughs> and you definitely pay someone online to run the account for you to accrue all that gold. <laughs> like I said, you literally don't need to. Once, once you buy that bank and you just get to a certain amount... You literally can't not earn gold anymore. Like, you literally can't spend it fast enough. Maybe if I bought every trinket, but then you're just going to sell trinkets eventually. Yeah. And then you're just going to be back up on top. Man, it's hard being in the 1%. And you'll see, oh this as, <laughs> you'll see this as we talk through this, but upgrades are key to this game. It is it is a huge deal, the buildings that you build and the upgrades that you make to to even make it possible to progress. Yeah, and then, you gotta, like, then you'll be running through a dungeon and got to make a decision on what are you going to sacrifice. Is it going to be some of the artifacts or the portraits or some of that shit, or is it going to be stacks of gold? Because both are huge in upgrading your character and upgrading your town. Oh, I... Ugh. I need those portraits and all that stuff more than the gold. I've been dropping the gold more because I'm like, I can't upgrade anything in right? town. Mm-hmm. I have enough gold to run through every time and up, do all my upgrades, but I don't have enough anything else, and it's yeah. getting frustrating. Yeah, it literally. There's times where I just literally I don't come back with any gold items because it's it's like you get the portraits, you get the statues, the you get everything, and you're like, I need all of that, and I can't believe I'm getting this much of it in this run. Yeah, I'm not bringing anything back. To the point where you're dropping torches and blight potions and all of that bullshit. <laughs> so uh, definitely using your your different character, your different buildings uh, throughout your hamlet, um, and and choosing the right teams. Sending the wrong team composition into a into, into a dungeon like a bleed a ble- uh, bleed uh, composition into the ruins where it's all skeletons and they all have huge bleed resists. You're just gonna hate your life. Whereas if you bring, you know, a blight doctor or a plague doctor or some bullshit, you're going to have a happy, good time. Yeah, I don't know how many of you guys have played around with bones very much, uh, but as a bone playing with expert, I can I can confirm they do not bleed. Yeah, They, let me, they don't bleed. Let me get Chaw on the horn. <laughs> yeah, he dug some up, not bleeding. 
Not bleeding. Not bleeding. <laughs> They're up there. Go ahead and dig them up. You can't make bones bleed. Can't make bones bleed. <laughs> Go ahead and give, give it a try. Uh, and then, uh, so anyway, a lot to deal with, a lot to handle in the in the in the quest, and stress being a huge one of it to the point where you got to send your heroes after missions uh, to stress relief activities, whether it's at the tavern or the the hospital. What is it called? The sanitarium. Sanitarium. Yep. Yeah. In the, the sanitarium is not stress relief though. Sanitarium's um, uh, disease. And it's locking in your abilities yeah. and quirks. Yeah, and then uh, and removing removing, and removing, removing and stuff these. like that. Yeah. Uh, medical word, whatever the whatever the church yeah. is or whatever that place is, the sanctum. I, don't I think know. it's a sanctum. I, I could don't know. Be wrong. It, it's, it's sanctum. You think you think I, I would know the name of these damn things? But on I the switch remember. one, that's one issue I have with the switch one is that you have to kind of like try to hover over things, but then you accidentally say, "Do you want to you want to kill this? You want to like sell it? Do you want to destroy it?" And I'm like, I, I want to read the description. I so the switch is awesome. They I I think they could have done a little better job with me trying to figure things out because I think it's. <laughs> took an extra hour just by like holding things and trying to figure out what they are by getting the description up. Uh, you can use your your bumper buttons to get the tr- the descriptions of them. Depends on what it is. I've just had a hard time with some things. It's funny how well I did. It's funny how many games actually with that particular feature just tend to make it difficult. There's a game that I play I, where I, they that you can't get it to go away and it covers up all the other stuff you want to see. So you'll be like looking at your inventory, hover over something, and it auto brings up a giant window explaining it and you're like trying to see the cost and all the other things that go with it and it's all covered up because the big i'm like dude let me toggle that thing yeah this is not a hard fix (laughs) i will say cycling through it is it is tricky but having played it from the steam box trying to use the steam controller playing the darkest dungeon that was garbage so like trying to play it off of that was hell getting it on the switch was actually pretty nice it is quirky trying to cycle through like status effects on like enemies or your heroes and then cycling through like that information, trying to figure out how much health something has or their resistances. Yeah. That part is a little kind of a pain <clears throat> in the ass, but it it's slow. But it hasn't been enough for me to d- deter me. No. Mm-hmm. It's it's annoying to the point where it's like I wish it would just be a little bit faster somehow, but yeah. I get I get what we're dealing with, so. And I'll I'll save my quips for the end. It'll kind of be like my capstone segment is just uh the game is great. I'll say that now, but there are some frustrations and I'll address those at the end. I, we all, we've all have our own versions yeah. of them too, so. So <laughs> Yeah, Shagwa's going to cover the first 10 minutes of the game cuz that's what he's played. Yep. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, that guy Reynold, he's a real badass. My wagon broke. My I, was, <laughs> I was so irate, I just could not boot that game back up again. And I just had two food to get me back to the place where I needed to be. I'm not I'm not hiking with only two yeah. food. Oh, my God. You think I'm going to go to a city with a broken wagon? i got to get that fixed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Out here in the Amish, you can't just go places without a wagon. Out here in the Amish. So, really fun game. It's all about just trying to maximize your loot, maximize your returns, and then uh, get your heroes uh, out of the dungeon and hopefully level them up to the point where you can take on the darkest dungeon, which is by far a really hard journey. That's a fun dungeon to go through, though. dire consequences. Very Mm -hmm. dire consequences. If you haven't figured it out by now, you're going to be really upset when you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make this comparison and it, it, it might be a little bit of an out there one, but one of the things that this game has done a great job of intentionally like bringing in as mechanics as well, not just as a feeling that you have, is that hopelessness 
the the loss of sanity, like James was saying, the frustration that you feel as a player, but like the loss of sanity, these things are mechanics in the game. And what it reminds me of is when I was really, really young playing Diablo and you start getting into those deeper layers of just the, the dungeon under the Citadel and how just like that game will sketch you out if you're a young kid and you're just like, and the layers just keep going, everything just keeps getting harder, the hordes keep getting bigger. None of that was built into the game. It was just a, a pressure in a sense that you felt playing it. But it's it's an interesting thing to see a, a game that's such a completely different style bring those same emotions that were evoked when I was young and, and more prone to feeling that way. But then to bring it in as mechanics and make it a part of the game. It's not just an ambiance they're trying to create. It's it's mechanics. It's yeah. you're not just you as the player feeling the frustration. You're watching people on your screen lose it. And then it has detrimental effects to your party. And oh, it's, yeah. it's it's absurd, but, like, really cool at the same time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then it makes you even connected to them because you want to see them make it out. And then yeah. you're just like, this is my favorite crusader because of the shit that we went through in this dungeon. Uh-huh. I'm going to remember your name. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that you are the safest one. Because I have my favorite crusaders. Your name is they, Bill Murray. They, then you got I'll the, never you got you got the you know the fodder, but then you got the the original crew, and oh, then yeah. you know you you hold tight to the original this this crew. game taught me that I will never be a good manager because as Tyson said, fodder, uh, I dismiss people all the time. He was we were talking about it. He looked at me like I was crazy for not utilizing the uh, built-in features to just resolve some of the issues that your team can have. But like I said, bad manager, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> so I'm like, send them to the tavern. No, that costs money. Oh, my gosh. These guys aren't getting their paychecks. There's new employees in the stagecoach. It's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that turnover, I have man. interns. <laughs> the turnover. I have interns. He keeps sending me the, to the tavern and giving me company bucks. All I want is just a little bit of gold. <laughs> yeah, these vouchers aren't good for that. <laughs> just look. You just get in there. You're like... He keeps sending me to gamble, and right below me is the brothel. Come on, just a little bit further. Send me down to the brothel. I'm going to get cirrhosis of the liver for crying out loud. At least let me get herpes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be the, oh, they should have a mechanic where you come back. It's like, he contracted herpes. Uh, It does actually work like that. Does it? So if you send somebody to the brothel, you come back after the next week, you'll get that little status, you know, the update of, like, this person recovered this much stress. This person, it's like, uh, had a little too much fun at the brothel and got, uh, you know, tapeworm or something like that. So I'm you, will, it, huh. you will get some type Can, of disease. Does, all, does any of them have like some type of negative effect? Uh, sometimes they'll keep your they'll keep your hero longer, and then sometimes it might have reduced effects. But I can't remember all of them. You I know what I had just one hero realized is how similar this off. game is to the Oregon Trail, the old <laughs> one. Oh yeah, it really has a lot of similar mechanics, except it's Nightmare Oregon Trail. Oh yeah, <laughs> holy yeah. cow! So you can get diseases from them. Guys. You can get diseases from like going on dungeons and and dealing with the dogs. The dogs give you a lot of freaking disease. Mm-hmm. Those old pieces of so shit. So if you're old enough to remember Oregon Trail, this is the game for you. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you got dysentery and died before reaching your destination, you're going to love this game. That was a little bit of a morbid game, actually. It really was. Oh, you really yeah, think dude. about it? Your, your, your brother died of malaria. This happened. Plus, this happened. Plus, just when like, you stopped oh to gosh. hunt for your family, who didn't just waste everything that they could see? Oh, I, you I, never grabbed the are meat you, kidding you needed me? for the trip. I, like, this I is... wasted every shot. I was a terrible <laughs> yeah, shot dude. in that game. It didn't matter oh that you had God. to buy well, your ammo. Things haven't changed since the yeah. game. The so. first time I bought, I traveled in that game, I thought you could like m- just grab more resources and stuff. Did not understand. You were literally gearing up. <clears throat> 
to go on the Oregon Trail. So you needed to buy everything that you needed right then. Hey, what is this? The Oregon Trail podcast? I bought, I bought, like, <laughs> I bought, like, four, I bought like four bullets and then wasted them all on my first hunt. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, very killer similarity. Yeah, that's very so, similar. Just take a quick break and just listen to an awesome ad from one of our great sponsors. So anyway, so it's it's it is a dungeon crawler. It's a classic RPG type style game, but very dark, very twisted. You're bringing four heroes into a dungeon, and obviously you're gonna want want some damage dealers, some range guys, some healers, uh, and just make your way through and try and get some loot and clear out the dungeons. Uh, so some of the cool stuff is stuff you can find throughout those dungeons. Uh, you can find portraits, artifacts to kind of help level your kingdom, or you can find some really badass loot, artifacts, trinkets uh, uh, from a lot of the different places. And, uh, and some of those places are secret rooms. Mm-hmm. James, you want to talk about secret rooms? Secret rooms. I was just waiting for a hard no right there. He's like, no, yeah. I don't leave. I don't have secrets. Everything's <laughs> out in the open. I'm all about transparency. Uh, <laughs> These are now known rooms. People know about this. It's it's one of two <laughs> secrets Easter eggs of the game, and they're not. It's, this is more of a secret, right? Yeah. Uh, I there there is, there is an there is an Easter egg attached to this one. So oh, okay. I, I just forgot to get it uh, uh, put in here. Oh, so you're gonna have to comment on that yeah, when yeah. we get there. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's secret rooms that you have to scout for, and it sounds like if it's a medium, you get a 50% chance of finding the room when you scout in a medium run mm-hmm. of the game. In a lo- um, in a long run, it's, it's guaranteed. To it's happen, guaranteed to happen. You have a 100% chance if you have good scouting. Mm-hmm. It, and it's all about having that advanced scouting that it matters. It makes in, a in my reading deal. That was one of the best abilities I came across earlier. That is a good one, like, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to make sure I have this everywhere. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it affects your route. You're like, uh, I'm literally so low. I'm just going to avoid that room battle because all I need to do is explore one more room and I will complete this dungeon and be able to get my whole party out alive. Mm -hmm. So scouting has been huge. And then especially when you can find those secret rooms. Very nice. And they show up as golden star icons on the map. So don't miss out on that. That's one I'd probably miss out on if I didn't read this uh, script that Tyson made for me. That, I've uh, missed a couple. <laughs> no, it's 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 good to know, like, to keep an eye out for those golden stars, and that's how you know that there's a secret room. Um, yeah, beyond that, to get into the room, um, I believe uh, using what is it? Using a skeleton key will will is the best. Well, so getting into the room, you just kind of you're you'll oh, okay. be like mid hallway, which is weird. Uh, but you just kind of eg- enter it like there's a door there. So okay, like, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. to the place where the room is, and then you just W in or whatever you're playing on, enter yeah. into the room, and it'll 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 lead you into it. And then once in that, then you can use because uh, there's uh, this is the part of the the secret rooms I don't know as much about. All secret rooms contain a unique, uh, what is that, Kiro? Kiro. Yep. Kiro named Ancient Artifact. You can unlock the treasure with or without cleansing, which is, you know, using an item to cleanse it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, unlocking the chest without using an item can result in three portions of gold or gems, and that is bad. So, yeah, if you're getting, like, like very, just a few gems or some gold, like, that's... And it's a secret room. You're supposed to be getting some killer loot, and yeah. so you definitely don't want to get into there and have that. Using a skeleton key can result in one of the three possible head trinkets. Great trinkets, by the way. Using a skeleton key can also result in three copies of the puzzling trapezohedron. 
Yeah, that looks right. <laughs> no, that's it's it's something. Yeah, I have I just never run it's into. It's like that. a decadohedron, but trapezoid. Yeah, trapezoid. Which will not will net you a thirty five hundred gold per yeah. piece. Is that good? That's, that's, pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. Dude. I've been operating at 3,500 gold for like 10 weeks in that game. Yeah. So if you can find like, I mean, worst comes to worst, if you ain't got a skeleton key, I guess, open the chest. You're not, nothing bad's going to happen. You're going to get something. But if you can, if you can hold on to a skeleton key in those medium to long quests, no, you're going to find a secret room. So me, I've dropped, I've gotten to the point where I've gotten so much good loot and I didn't understand that's how the secret rooms worked. I just thought you just had a chance of possibly getting one in your dungeon. So there's times where I'd freaking, like, get some sick-ass trinket or some sick-ass loot, and I'd be like, well, haven't seen anything where I needed the skeleton key for. Discard. And then I get a secret room, and I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, I mean, so you still get some gold. You still get some gems. Not terrible, but honestly, compared to what you could have got if you would have just used a skeleton key, way nice. And those yeah. trinkets, way badass. I mean, if it's a secret room... You- I'd hope you get good loot. Yeah. And that game, getting good loot is one of the most important things that yeah. you can do. It seems like just getting that gold up. Oh, hell yeah. <clears throat> gold, gold, gold. And if you can get three things that are worth 3500 each, you literally don't need to pick up gold anymore. Like, you just freaking got yourself a fat stack of cash. Yeah. So, uh, I would just, yeah. You know, I'm realizing something as you guys are talking about this. Um, and just because I didn't think to look into it, because there's so, like we talked about earlier, Huge uh, learning curve on this game. Uh, and so many facets to it that just need to be explored. So I hadn't even considered, but is there... Can you sell stuff? I haven't oh, even yeah. gone to a shop yep. yet. You can sell trinkets. Oh, yep. that's very cool. And the, Well, so at the end of every dungeon, like, it gives you a tally up of what you're doing. And if you have treasure that's worth gold, it automatically sells it at the end of at, at the end of the quest. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, that's what happens like, the gems and stuff <clears> that you come across. So the gems, they get converted to gold. And then any of your camp, your provisions that you bought going in, those will get sold. But at a heavily reduced price i swear you're getting like five percent return on those honestly though at least you're getting something because i genuinely thought it was just dumping them out of my inventory and it was infuriating i mean it wasn't like so infuriating that it was pulling me out of the game at all but i was like it's this is one of the difficulty bars they put in the game you're literally you buy getting, items and you don't get them when you come home you're literally <laughs> getting 10 percent of your cost which is not good i mean yeah it's great to get something back but it's not good like when when you can spend 250 on a what like an antivenom and then you get 25 gold per getting it returned. It's like, I wish I would have dropped that for a stack of gold. It's like working. You make all that money and then taxes and then you have 25 Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Monday and Tuesday, you work for you. Thursday or Wednesday through the rest of the week, that's uh, that's for good old Uncle Sam. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you think you're doing your taxes a little that's wrong. extra there. Uncle Sam. <laughs> your taxes are very wrong. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So, so, yeah, so like we already talked about, secret rooms, they have a 0% chance to occur during short missions. That doesn't mean you don't want to bring skeleton keys because you can still find, like, other chests and other shit to interact with uh, seems like a, the, the, the dungeons. Seems like a lot of the dungeons you want to have at least one. Oh, yeah, like, I, I usually don't go on any quest with at least, like, two skeleton keys, even on a short one, I'll still yeah. bring them. This but, is I honestly... mean, you know, when you got 13 mil and it never stops stacking, you just bring it all, man. You just yeah. buy everything. Yeah. You're like, where's the buy, buy it all button? Well, the limited inventory space is what stops you from spending all that sweet, sweet dough that you have. Well, see, and here's the trick, though, Shag, and I was going to mention this earlier, is mm-hmm. when you're on those quests and you can see a place where you're going to have to backtrack, take the longest way first so you can use up all your supplies, pick up nothing, open nothing, other than what the greedy bastards auto-open, and then uh, 
uh, on your return trip, pick it all up. Because mm-hmm. then you've used supplies, even like your camping wood, plan that shit on a return trip. So, like, you're like, all right, it'll take a full stack of torches to get all the way here. Then I can backtrack and then camp right here once all those torches run out again. And then I'm back to full light and an inventory spot. And I, you know, was able to pick up everything. Yeah, well, that, that's one thing that's been nice about being an RPG pan, fan is, ooh, now I'm the one struggling with English today. Um, as, a, as an RPG fan, that's kind of normal, is to figure out the best way to explore dungeons so you don't miss secrets. So pathing has not been an issue for me, but what I didn't realize until literally after... Not pathing, I, looting. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, is I didn't figure that out until after my last session last night, was that I didn't realize that there it didn't repopulate monsters mm-hmm. after you've been through an area. So now I Sometimes know, and I didn't will, know this before, but now I know that when you run through those dungeons, uh, here's some advice for you guys, do not loot anything... Just run through the dungeon, kill all the monsters, and then go back and collect things. There's two reasons for that. One, you need all the stuff that you bring with you to survive the dungeon. It's that hard. So the the farther you go into the dungeon and fight those monsters and use that stuff, it frees up that inventory space and increases your survivability odds. And then you have inventory left to loot. So you're not, like James was talking about earlier, you're not throwing away gold and throwing away portraits to make room for... Um, the loot that you're finding, the better loot. Uh, and I, I had not realized that until I did a... Ba- I can't remember why I backtracked, but I think I misclicked and I backtracked and there was no no confrontation and I was like, now it, this changes everything. It can, it can, <laughs> especially on harder difficulties. Mm-hmm. You can get ambushed, you can have uh, them repopulate, like... Cause it'll know if you, if it's just if it's just you retracing shit, it'll pop up an enemy encounter. Oh, interesting. And depending on how much you're doing it, maybe it'll get more difficult. I don't know, but honestly, with how difficult this game is, I guarantee they plan for that. So be careful though. It might not be doing it now because you're still early on in your journey, but eventually that shit starts happening. Mm-hmm. But it's still not a bad way to go about it because that encounter should be pretty minimal. Like yeah. you shouldn't really come across many guys, and you'll see it on your map, so you and, can avoid it. And I might be wrong about this, but my personal experience has been: don't even bother clicking on book stacks. It seems like it's don't only click ever, on the book stacks. It's yeah, it's only ever it. negative effects. And don't burn the books. Don't burn the books. I haven't tried that one yet. Okay, burn the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to burn a book, guys. Okay, give it a shot. <laughs> I'm going to Fahrenheit 451 this. <laughs> it, will, it will instantly cause Shag to break the computer because it will instantly put 100 stress on your it hero. It just burn my other hard drive out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and frayed. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, back to it. Bring skeleton keys, but no, on short missions, you're not going to find the, uh, the secret rooms. Uh, on the medium ones, you're going to have 50% chance to find them. And then uh, on long, you're going to find a, a special room at some point, guaranteed. Um, special rooms always appear during boss missions, regardless of their length. And scouting after activating a curio will not reveal secret rooms. So it's just something that happens as you enter a room. You have a chance to trigger it. Or after a battle, I think, if, if yeah. there's enemies in it. Or, like, advanced, and then advanced scouting do, always does, right? Yeah, yeah, Advanced scouting will always get you that, that critical, yeah. critical scout chance, which is the best one. And, because, uh, you know, the more you know, the more you know. Mm-hmm. So, the little Easter egg that's coming across from this, in the darkest dungeon, so I know it's <laughs> called the darkest dungeon, but the very end dungeon is the darkest dungeon. Um, well, like many great games before it, they tend to be named after some relevant aspect of the game. So, I guess. I don't know. So, I guess. You know, I don't know. It makes sense. I just want to, but, I just want to clarify <laughs> that that is what I'm talking about now. I'm not just repeating the name What's of the game. What's the, is there a darker dungeon though? 
There is, but it's uh, it's coal black, and we don't talk about that because you get the black lung pop. That's what <laughs> Darkest Dungeon 2 is called. <laughs> the, darker, the Darker Dungeon, Dark and darker Darkerest. They, they nickname it the Chocolate Starfish, but uh, Harry, it's for a whole, Harry, whole different reasons. Harry, there's darker dungeons out there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The next Darkest Dungeon's not what you think it is. It's an erotica. It's an erotica. Oh, oh my, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> snoo snoo, death from snoo snoo. Okay, so anyway, so back to the Easter egg. Uh, so going through the darkest dungeon, the final dungeon, uh, throughout that that path, the dungeon there, it's the same in this one. So like the pathing is the same for everybody. Uh, you get to a U-shaped portion, and you're on the southern portion of that U, and you enter down, and you will enter a secret room that doesn't populate on the map. Like, you can't scout for it, any of that jazz. It is literally just one that you have to just... I wonder if this is like Wolfenstein, where I'm going to press space on every wall to find the secret wall. So somebody must have done that and just entered down or up trying to find a secret room and found it. And mm-hmm. in there you can find a note from the developer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's called the Stick Secret because it's not, not announced anywhere, but it's like, secret, secret. I've got a secret. Yep. And now it's announced here, so it's not a oh, secret. Oh, great. Anymore. We're going to get flagged Shit. now for a DMC. All it is is just a note from the developers. It's like, uh, good luck in the upcoming fight, and basically thanks for, like, you put in a lot of time to get here. So imagine being the first guy that found that shit. Yeah. It's mm. like, thanks for all your time. It's, like, you've literally put so much time in that you found this crazy bullshit. It's like a two-pronged like, note, you. too, where it's like, dude, that's awesome of you to get this far. We know it was a struggle. But then the other part of it is like, a, it's completely understandable yeah. if you stop playing the game at this point because yeah. we have ramped up the difficulty from here. Like, y'all about to get fucked. It's like the, <laughs> it's like the, the soft ending is you finding that note because you're never going to beat the game. But yeah, so that's the uh, the Easter egg there. Not much other Easter eggs I could find uh, about the game, honestly. This has been like one of the most uh, bland experiences, other than finding that badass documentary, which uh, I'm pretty sure that documentary we'll is definitely. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it later, but uh, it's definitely going to be super worth it. cool. Super yeah, I'm going to have cool. to give that a watch. It sounds really interesting from what I've heard you guys talk about. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I'm. Uh, yeah. It was it was a cool find because I didn't expect it. Um, But yeah, so pretty nice. Uh, Some of the other Easter eggs, which I thought were cool, I didn't realize this. So throughout the the game, uh, you can find those journals of past adventurers that have met their demise in Mm -hmm. the dungeons. I like finding those. Those are always really cool. Yeah, super cool stories. And they're pretty, I mean, they're not super long, which is what drives me to not read those type of things is when it's yeah. like, oh, I got to read so much shit. Yeah, it's like it's as really cool as much. it is that it's available in like Skyrim and stuff, I'm not going to read that. Oh, so many books in there I haven't mm-hmm. read. I just Although, open and get, hopefully get the skill point that's in there and close them immediately. Yeah. And I do need to turn this into a Skyrim podcast for five seconds. Uh, it is dope that they someone compiled all that and they released an actual book that is all of yeah. the books that you can find. I did that's think that cool. was cool. Yeah. That's the one I'd read before. And honestly, if Darkest Dungeon did something <laughs> what I read like to that, my son, and the blades killed the king. If Darkest Dungeon and he's just asleep with his arm behind like his back. Is a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. Keep going. Oh, I was just saying, if Darkest <laughs> oh Dungeon did something like that as like a collector's edition or like a limited release thing, I think that would be just as cool. Yeah. Like a little, just a small little journal of all the notes that you find throughout the game. Yeah. Stuff like that, man. It's because those are things that, like, depending on your mood. You might like reading that stuff normally, but there's going to be days where you skip it because you're just not, you know, everyone's moods are different during different times of day, different points in their lives, different days of the week. 
So it's just nice to have it all in one place where where when you're feeling it, you can Mm -hmm. go in and even post-game, just get a little taste of that awesomeness from the game that you play. And to finish this fact, now that Shag's done talking, (gasps) I'm just kidding, no. (laughs) I just knew I could uh, bust his balls, so I did. Uh, Those were backers from Kickstarter, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought there'd be more because technically there's like other supporters where you get all the previous rewards and people bought the packs that were higher than that. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 11 people bought packs total that were that and higher. Mm-hmm. So I thought there'd be like 11, but there's only five. So some of those guys, I think I've deduced through my sleuthing, <laughs> must have been other buyers that bought the previous package and just, yeah, I get one, so I'm not going to get another one. But anyway, that's them. So they got together with the, some somebody from the team, created a story, and figured out how they were going to die in the Darkest Dungeons. So the, each one of those guys chose a different way to that's die. so cool. Most yeah. of the stories just of that backer's life. That's how miserable people are out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many of you guys are alive, but uh, this is terrible. Don't do that. Don't, don't do, do it. Alt F4 if you can. This is the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> well, Get on that stagecoach and run. And this is one of those games that was successful where... Um, they didn't make as much as I thought they would for this type of game. I really think they, I thought they would have hit like the million mark, but this was back in 2014. Mm-hmm. But they made 313,000. Mm-hmm. Well, that was off of the backer, right? Yeah, yeah, that was off of the backing for Kickstarter. Yeah, that was off of Kickstarter. Yeah. Red Hook, Red Hook is an independent. Yeah, they, this is their first game, right? We'll get in. We'll get into the documentary. It talks about more of that stuff. Later. Okay, because I was gonna say that's actually impressive for someone that's not in an established studio, and especially yeah. considering the earlier days of Kickstarter. Yeah. Well, and they had some struggles in the beginning, and I think we should talk about that once we get to the doc- documentary okay. part. But it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so moving on, <clears throat> talking just about uh, a little bit more about the game. So going through the game, obviously, there's a, a way to increase your damage, increase your armor, increase your weapons, your skills. But you can also increase your your or unlock different skills, and some of those are called camping skills. And you can't forget about your camping skills. So on medium and long quests, you get a, uh, a firewood or a fire bundle, and that's like a place where you can camp. In between hallways, so once you're in those those rooms, or you happen, you unlock something, or you cleanse something with your camping gear. Yeah, yeah, or you or you cleanse it, or attempt to cleanse it, because no, that will never cleanse anything. Don't waste your campfire. <laughs> um, <laughs> the... Yeah. So when you accidentally ruin lose your campfire, and you've literally ran all of your torches to the ground, and you've got Unplug nothing. I don't want to run through the darkness. Okay, I am afraid of the dark. And I will not attack it with, with magic missile. Markness. <laughs> Damaglia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so camping skills are highly effective. You definitely want to jump in there, change hero skills around for different positions, change the camping skills so you can get the max benefit. Because a lot of people will have some of the same skills, like removing a little bit of stress or a stress percentage over a certain amount of battles. Healing is a little bit that somebody, uh, most everybody has, or somebody, majority of them have. But then they have other ones that'll buff your whole party with like huge uh, damage buffs, crit buffs, uh, stuff like that. So definitely use that shit. About the game, there's five DLCs. Uh, the Butcher's Circus, The Color of Madness, The Crimson Court, and then two. the next two, The Musketeer and The Shieldbreaker, are just hero DLCs. And I was kind of bummed to find out that the musker, the musketeer, is basically the same as the arbalist. It's it's I, basically went, functional, functionally the same as the. Uh, they changed from understanding. They changed a little bit, but for but they went uh, the animations and stuff. But it's basically they all do the same stuff. Like the skills are the same. Very they similar. Might, they or, might be just uh, animated differently oh, or okay. called something differently, but it's mechanically you are playing the arbalist. 
uh, with the Musketeer. So I was a little bummed on that, but the Shield Breaker is badass. If you guys haven't gotten a Shield Breaker, y'all need to. I'm just using him for the first time, and currently, I mean, I'm low level, I've only run one dungeon with him so far, but I'm digging it. I like the range that he's got, Yeah. and I like that he can shift position, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that shift position can be quite annoying. So there is, I'm still trying to figure out how to use him correctly, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, the way I run him is all, well, how I first started running him is I'd get two so that they could both dance around. But then you got speed issues that you got to kind of mess with. So that's why just plan to have somebody that can do the same shit in position two as in position one and let your shield breaker dance dance around them. Yeah. Because they've got that one that lunges forward. They have one that will bypass some stealth. Um, and they have one that does, like, I always get crazy crits off of that son of a bitch. The, just the spear lunge mm-hmm. forward one. The lunge or the throw? The the lunge. Kay. And then and then to move backwards, you get the throw that Oh, lights. that moves them backwards? It moves them backwards, and it I goes through all of them. I know how to use them correctly. Yeah. goes through <laughs> all of the guys and blights and gives blight on yeah, all blight, of them. Yeah, so blight, by the way, blight is incredible. Dies. And then he's got the Aegis, which two, blocks two hits completely. Mm-hmm. And then that'll move you forward, too. So learning how to like jump, and if you can just kind of do, let him dance. Same with the jester. I mostly use him as kind of a support mid character for the bleed and mm-hmm. then the buffs. But if you ever want to play him dancing, it's fun because he does some large jumps and he has some killer crits. I like so him a lot when a you lot face. I don't know the name of the enemy, but it's like a juggernaut type where he's got like twice the health of all the other ones. And I really Is like. Is he like a human character? You no, know, maybe he's like a big fatty dude. But um, he's human, right? In a I, hood? Yeah, he's, I don't remember if he has a hood, but he's he's human for sure. He's humanoid. Okay, yeah, um, he's like a brigand or something, I'm but, guessing. But the, um, the, the throw spear, you can bypass him to get to the dudes with less life. And this this might not strike everyone as a strategy they like to use, but I've used it for, for decades in RPGs. Um, if there are guys that I know are easy to kill, I will wipe them out just for the sheer sake that my team then gets that many more turns before the enemy gets to go. Yep. So I, I've always used that as a tactic where if I know I can crush someone, even if they're being guarded by um, some type of tank or something, I find a way to either bypass the tank and destroy those dudes because it's a slept-on fact in a lot of games where even if it's small damage, when you have like 15 enemy turns going and then it's your your party's turn, if you can reduce that down to five enemy turns going in it, it's so much less damage. Because those little, and this game will teach you that more than anything. Those twos and threes add up. It doesn't seem like much damage when you're taking it, and then three turns later, you're just like, I'm going to pull a Tyson here and just remove and delete the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, no, uh, that's a lot of fun. And so I, dro- I dropped my phone. <laughs> two of the DLCs are just characters. Three of them are actual content, like real yeah, content. Like real good content. Like, not saying the Shield Breaker isn't worth it. It's just. Yeah, it's. it's. But luckily they were free. So they were free DLCs, the Shield Breaker. Yeah, and, and, and that's how it should be. Yeah, are you sure they were free? It says free, but it says four ninety nine. Oh, okay. I see. Four ninety nine. Yeah, I have all the other DLCs uh, in there as well. Uh, so the first one that came out was the Crimson Court, and I love the way that Shag put this earlier. So I'm just gonna let him explain it as well. You're gonna uh, have to remind me what I said earlier. <laughs> just about just about being a hard game already. Oh yeah, yeah. The expansion that they brought out to just in really sink your teeth into the game is like, do you like not winning the game? Challenge accepted. <laughs> it's like, already such a difficult game, and then they're like, here's this other one. Way harder. Yeah, but if we're being honest, it's actually really cleverly implemented because 
like I said, this game, a lot of what makes it so good is how just focused they were on the mechanics. And I'm not going to use the word balancing, but like making them feel like a part of the game. As Tyson and James know this, I've, I've talked to them about it before, where a mechanic for the sake of just having a mechanic always is just, it's meh. Even if it's a good mechanic, it's meh. What you need to do is you need to make that mechanic make sense with what's happening thematically in the game. Yeah. And Darkest Dungeon crushes on that front, including with the DLC, where, yes, it makes the game harder, yes, it's incredibly frustrating, but it makes sense and it adds to not just the gameplay, but the feel, the experience of what you're doing. It's not just the mechanics, it's it's a part of the complete package. And so it just it just adds more of what you're getting out of that game. It's, and and it's, it's a weird thing to say that frustrating is fun, but in this particular game's case, it actually really yeah. is. And I, I love that they made it different, and I don't know how much you guys have played around with the Crimson Court, but I've, I've honestly, I feel like I've done very little, and yet I've gone, like, super far into at least one. <laughs> but I've never really been successful in it, because holy shit, I enabled it before I even beat the Darkest Dungeon, and got the Crimson Curse on all my guys, and everything was hell, and I was like, this sucks so much balls. And luckily, beating the Darkest Dungeon cures your guys of the Crimson Curse. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, good. I'm not going back in the dungeon. Yep. <laughs> the, amount, the amount of uh, tips and tricks guides I've seen. Once I finished my session last night, I started looking into those. Because I like to experience things raw and kind of get my sense of it. Before I start going and seeing what I need to improve yep. on. And so after my last session last night, I went and checked out a couple of tips and tricks guides. And I have not yet seen one where they didn't say... Crimson Court DLC is awesome. Don't install it or uh, add it until you finish the game. Yeah. On like, because Switch. if you think you can finish the game and you put that on there, you you not to say you can't, but you're gonna regret it immediately. Yeah. yeah. On Switch, they actually warn you when you're um, enabling all the mods or all the add-ons. When you go to have that one, they're like, just so you know, beginners don't want to enable this. Yeah. And, they, and then word it such a way where I'm like, oh, cool. I don't, I mean, I can yeah. always enable it later. And so. And Actually, funny enough, they must have reset that because I went back and started playing and I got the same thing when I went to enable um, the Color of Madness or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it said the same thing about the Crimson Court. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit. All right. I believe they do that with the I'm difficulty glad they do that thing, because the difficulty settings as well. Because, like, I've talked about this before on the podcast where I only play games on normal. And with this one, if I remember right, it even said, like, this is how the game was intended to be played, but just to be clear, like if, if this is your first time playing it, you might want to play it on on the setting below. Oh yeah. And I was actually yeah. really surprised by that, but also pleased by it because it's a very hard game, harder than your average game by yeah. a long shot, harder than a lot of hard games by a margin, but it's really nice to understand what you're getting into without any spoilers, without any of that, but to have them just be upfront with what, what you're about to experience. Like, listen, this is the way we want you to experience it, but maybe play it a bit, and then come experience it how we intended it to be experienced. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it ruined one of my playthroughs on PC. Like, and it was one of my furthest ones, and I enabled it, and then everything went bad. And mm -hmm. so I just, I'm pretty sure I deleted that save. Like I said, I've deleted a lot of saves and restarted campaigns because it's just like you get to a point where everything's stressed, you have no money, and it's just like, man, everything's, in, everything's hell. I did this one so horrible. Horrible. Mm -hmm. So poorly horrible. Horribly poor. And let's be honest, <laughs> as much crap as we're giving Tyson about restarting his game to save his position, there's probably lots of games where this happens, but if you've played any RPGs and you have characters that are dear to you, we've all done it. 
I've never if you lose I've, a character. I've that you never love. restarted that game because somebody died. I did well, for that, that fire because one, I'm getting back into it. You motherfuckers! I never, re- I don't do this. No, all no, the no, time. no, 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 stop. <laughs> to be clear, what I'm talking about here isn't for the character's sake. I'm just saying we've all reset a game because of something. But what I'm saying is, if you've played an RPG, there's there's no way you haven't done it. I know, I know you motherfuckers, and you've done it. I you've would. been like, they died. Some of you dumbasses in a game where you can't get like the character's gonna die no matter what. Still reset the game and tried to get that character back. You can't get him back. Yeah. No, I just know you can get him back from the graveyard <laughs> with certain events, and it's yeah. a rare one, but you can. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at with it. But uh, I will not waste, not one precious stick of wood. Those were all wonderful trees yeah. at one point. Oh my okay? gosh. Okay. And we will not waste their life. I don't care about my party members. But did, oh. you, did you just make me waste a torch? They're brigands, okay? They're brigands, okay? <laughs> the Highwayman, you know what they do? They rob people. There was a song called The Highwayman. That is so good. And on the coast road, he did ride. That's true. Sword and pistol by his side. As long as you don't sing it, it's fine. <laughs> so, many a, many a young maiden lost her baubles to his trade. Many a soldier shed his life on his blade. <laughs> yeah, literally, probably. And, <laughs> I, just I love the, I love the action. We're, we're still sued. good. We're still fine. No, keep going. Nope, too late. We're sued. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've gotten sued every podcast. Yeah, that's why our budget is so low now. <laughs> so with the DLCs, the cool, the the thing that I kind of notice is that they've been releasing them for multiple years. They released one this year. The game came out what 2014 on early uh-huh. access. Yep. And they've been releasing, um, let's see, 17, 18, I don't know if they did one in 19 and then 20. That mu- so, and yeah. they're making a Darkest Dungeons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm so excited about it, guys. Yep. I mean, this this has gotten me such nerded out. Like, I, th- it's like what we talked about early on. It gets you thinking about it. It gets you thinking about your party and stuff like that. I don't care about, like, as much gaming. Like, usually I'll find some time to play a game, but this one, it's like, where can I find some more time? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just something about it. So Darkest Dungeon 2 is very exciting. That is exactly why you picked it up on Switch, because I know you prefer playing it on PC, mm-hmm. but you love it so much, the you're controls like, are nice I PC. need to play this everywhere I possibly well, can spare a moment. It's such a perfect travel game because of yeah. how hard it is uh-huh. and, like, the time and the investment that you have to put into it. To try and only sit down and play it at your PC occasionally, it's just like... Like, you really don't get much done. Like you said, it's like, I did two gaming sessions and I got ten weeks into it. It's like, <laughs> not much happened, but, like, it's like, if I could play this on the shitter or in the car oh, yeah. or, you know, right in bed well, before um, I go to bed, you know, it's like, you can get you can get some more dungeons in. We recently took yeah. a camping trip and I was just, like, kicking myself because that would have been the perfect time to get some time in on that game. And I just hadn't, I hadn't picked it up on the Switch. That was uh, uh, my bad. Do you even have a Switch? They have no, it on the Vita, so don't they? I had, I had dumped <laughs> Don't they have it on the Vita? You said they did. Yeah, I they had I it on the Vita. I didn't look into that, actually. I'm not positive, but Crazy. I feel like I saw that. I wish game. I would have known that because I would have bought a Vita for that game. Mm-hmm. That would have got me mobile on it immediately. Oh, did you not have a Vita? Times. I bought it one time. I, okay, the Vita podcast... Uh, <laughs> I bought a Vita once because I thought the new Monster Hunter was going to come out. Oh, you're that type of person. And they did not release Monster Hunter on it, and so I sold it and made some kid's Christmas probably great until he realized that was a garbage console, and he would have had a game I enjoyed my Vita. 
I think it because was a it had Uncharted console. on it. <laughs> I think it was a good console. It was just not supported as well as it needed to be. Exactly. It was better for you, actually. I didn't a, buy it. No, no, no. They have a ton of RPGs. They have mm-hmm. a lot of content yeah. that you would have actually really they liked and still would more like. Developer content. Tyson. Uh, well, you guys, you guys also they noticed had kill, about they me. Had kill switch on there or kill zone or whatever it was. You, you, you guys know, also. That's how much you care about that game, huh? Yeah, it's one yeah. of those games. Yeah, exactly. I played it once. Exactly. Yeah. I just don't like handheld consoles. I'm. I already have to wear glasses. I don't want to have to. I don't know. I like a big. I like being comfortable when I play. I don't want to be hovered over, squatted says, down. Says the guy that bought the Sony phone. Yeah, y- decades ago. Like literal decades ago. Eh, a decade and, ago. And you know, if you're lucky. And you know why I bought that specifically for SNES and NES emulation, which it was perfect for. Yeah. And it survives long excursions in a hot tub. I found out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! He won't. He won't touch it after it's touched the hot tub. No fear of uh, electrical uh, uh, assassination. But uh, <laughs> it's true. It will hold up, guys. Just to clear this story up, I've been electrocuted before, and it was a horrifying experience. So now, even if I know that it's not a dangerous amount of electrical current, just the the remembering of that being electrocuted. I can't, like, so I pull it out of the hot tub and the flash is flashing uncontrollably and the phone's just doing weird stuff. Like, I literally, like, pulled it out of my pocket and, like, threw it onto the floor. Eh. That's, like, I probably, I, I, might oh, yeah. fe- I might feel the shock from a phone battery. Like, it's if, not going to hurt you. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. It's not going to hurt you, but I'm telling you guys, like, when, once the fear of God Chances is... Are, it's just going to immediately discharge and nothing's going to be felt. <laughs> once the fear of God is put in you, though, you just can't help yourself. Like, imagine, imagine surviving phones. a house fire. <laughs> up in your pocket. Imagine surviving a house fire, like, as a super young kid. I mean, I wasn't electrocuted as a super young kid, but just, you, like, have a horrifying experience, and then, like, you're the guy they asked to light the birthday candles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just remember, in this example, his horrifying experience was that hot tub. Moving on. Uh, guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. We're about to get into the documentary. I loved it, actually. I only watched it recently. But we need another ad spot for our sponsors, so listen away. And we're back. And we're back. Oh, that, was, that took a while. And if you didn't listen to the whole commercial, log out. I don't just kidding. And log back in. I don't think it matters. I know. I don't think it matters. I'm you just can, saying stuff. Yeah. Now, if you want to support us, you can do that, or you can go buy one of our awesome hats from our website. Yeah. Please click on an ad if there is one, though. You know, to just multiple times. No, don't do that. Also, if you <laughs> just guys, once or twice is fine. If you no. guys are fans of the show and you thought you were not going to get your balls busted as fans, you were so wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> Welcome to the clubhouse. Which foot would you like? Yeah. Also, one of them's busting your balls. If yeah. you're a female listener and you think you're not going to get your balls busted, <laughs> still wrong. Equality. You have the same amount of ball busting ability as everyone else. Yep. Exactly. We will bust your balls. The Shagwa giveth, and the Shagwa giveth more. <laughs> so, getting into the documentary, I quite liked it. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm, that was a random find. I well, and as aspiring uh, game developer, kind of you know, I like seeing those stories where people succeed, even though they were just not sure what was going to happen, and they were just because the whole journey, you're like, nope. Like you even you mentioned earlier, I think yesterday, like they went to PAX. They didn't know if they were going to uh, be successful. One of the guys is like, "No, this is garbage. We're gonna fail. Yeah. Everything's gonna burn down." I'm so embarrassed. I don't know who that guy was, but hopefully I, he still has a job there because those are just a, a, a case of the shakes. Isn't that yeah, what you guys hired I, that me was for, pretty bad. That exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's me. If you've oh, noticed, I'm it. always the guy that's like, "We can't do this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, and then at PAX, it was just beloved everyone yeah, was around great. there they did really good 
uh, and they just had swarms of people just wanting to watch. And I agree, like it's it'd be a fun game to watch people play more so than a lot of games I see at those trade shows. Yeah, and it talked about him making his own print at home games, like uh, you know, oh yeah, print, print yourself the board creative games director. Like I don't that. remember names of the two guys because yeah. they have a they have a creative director and then they have the yeah. uh, like Tyler and a Nick. <laughs> something like that. Those are probably Joe, Josh. Wrong. We'll throw a couple more names in there. Maybe they we'll definitely get it right. had first and last names. I remember that. Yes. They, they weren't people, though. And my phone died, Weird so type. I don't have my notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much in the notes. I know. It's, yeah. But, we'll uh, right there. yeah, no, it was interesting, both their journeys and how they met up. And they these guys are seasoned uh, game developers. Mm-hmm. One went down the route of doing uh, design and, and designing his own um, games, too. But both of them went down that route a little Oh, yeah. yeah. And you can definitely sh- see, like, the game or the actual game designer, like the lead game designer, the one of the main ones, you know, who designed, like, all the systems and everything. You know, he spent years developing other products and those print-off products and stuff like that, and I thought that was really interesting where they just, they got to the point where they won the forum. And it just shows you that, like, there's a lot of people that are afraid to start their own thing, and that's the beautiful thing about, like, the American dream, if you want to say that, like, small business, yeah. being able to get to, together with other people and make something awesome. And it is very scary, very frightening. But we wouldn't have this great game if they wouldn't have gone down that hole and just really... And brought it to light. Because it was frightening. They had to use their life savings to do to build it to get to a point where they kickstarted it. Mm-hmm. And this is an important thing just about business in general, um, at least in the in the U.S. capitalist market. The, the big thing here that I think leads to their success is you might have some fear, but not so much fear that you're afraid to do it. And that, that fear of failure. Because the reality is you need to fail several times before you succeed. It's how you figure out what works. So for them to go into packs with these fears, for them to to, to risk as much as they risk to make yeah. it happen, even had it failed, that's the risk you take. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what needs to happen. If, if you're afraid to fail, you're unlikely to have anything that's going to be you're that like, successful. You're unlikely to succeed. If you're mm-hmm. if you're too afraid to fail, you're most likely not going to start on working on anything. Yeah. That's one of the things I, tr- I even try to say, because I'm not like I'm an overly successful person, but I have a job, and then we also have a game company and some other stuff we're trying to create. So, I mean, at least we're trying to go down that route, and seeing some people go through some of the struggles gives me some heart, and I really that's where it kind of brought it to me, where I'm like, this is kind of cool. At least I have some hope. Yeah. yeah. I once had a guy watch my stream, and it made it totally worth it. It's so, like, I'm not sitting here trying to, like, become some PewDiePie or something on my stream. PewDiePie. But the ability to get the enjoyment that you get when someone's involved and in there and chatting with you. Like, people that know me know that I'm a little bit intimidated when it comes to social media type communication. I do really well in person, social media less so. So the the, the thought of starting up that that stream or even doing this podcast is really intimidating for me. But at the same time, like taking those risks has been a, a fantastic reward. And I'm not going to say that I'm successful because I, I would not. <laughs> at hey, least, uh, this has made a penny. Well, I'm just saying like split that three ways, if, bud. If you compare, if you compare it to it's almost a if penny you candy, compare it to market share, yeah. if you compare it to market share, it's hard to call it a success in financial terms, but in other, in other regards, it's awesome. Yeah. We get to get around and talk about um, things that we're all passionate about and love, or even things that we probably would have never even like invest. Like a lot of the games that have we've covered on the co- podcast, or at least a few of them, I would have never cared about. 
But then I go and we check them out, and it's like, oh, these are actually really fun. So it's, it's broadening my horizons just in terms of things that I enjoy. Taking a deeper dive, looking behind the scenes with the developer yeah. side of stuff is super exciting and cool. And then on top of that, it's just, you know, the the interactions and just seeing this grow and and the fears abate as you kind of progress slowly. It's been worth it just in that in that in that by itself. So even if this were to fail, I've got a lot more motivation to try something new afterwards. Oh, I feel like there was another part of the documentary that I really liked and uh, oh, when they launched like their Kickstarter, they were all worried. They're like, uh, okay, we're going to, we're expecting to get 70,000, which is good. It's a good way to go. Is like, okay, expect less than what you would hope for. Mm-hmm. And so, but they got 313,000. Yeah. And then, um, I should say this caveat, expect less, but put up at least as much as you need to make it happen. Exactly. <laughs> well, and they had ways to go. And that's another thing that was interesting. These guys are seasoned and they, but they weren't really great at the management style. So when they were going to get, try to get funding, um, they did get some loans, but when they went to go actually have a publisher and talk to them, the publishers, um, I think one of them, like when they go into the meeting, like a couple of them are asleep, and one uh, only a couple of them were like interested, and they're like, "Oh, this is this is kind of cool." And when they got to the deal, they wanted thirty percent, and this is a game that's pretty much done, thirty percent of the game for half a million. And uh, I agree, kind of agree with them, but you have to think of the Shark Tank a little bit. But you get, you know, sometimes if you, but publishers, man, I don't know who which publisher it was, but that's a risky one. I think is how much are they going to bring to the table? Because we hear. We hear so many horrible stories from EA screwing over Dead Space developers. No. Activision. Back to EA, damn it. No, but really, like, it it comes down to they didn't take the deal. And I think they greatly were rewarded for not taking that deal because they had full control. They've made, I'm sure, plenty of money from it because it's it's got to have. You've bought at least three copies. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, <laughs> no, it's one of those games like where game. <laughs> it's a successful indie company, and I, I love hearing that. And they went to some people with metrics that weren't great to be optimistic. They, they're like, okay, well, you're going to get your return back even if we only get, make this many sales. We know we can make that many. Well, they're like, we need- well, that doesn't sound like a good investment. And then they walked away like, we could have just said whatever number. They would have been okay, and we could have got the money. Yeah. And it's like pretty much what it comes down to. Try to overhype it when it comes to certain things. And so yeah. you learn a little bit from the doc- documentary. We'll drop a link in the description, by the way. It will probably be called, like, trailer, and you can just click that. Or not trailer, but documentary. <laughs> it would be called documentary, and you just click the do- documentary link. But, uh, yeah, and it's like an hour yeah. long, I think. So It's an yeah, hour it's, long. It's, it's, it's a good listen. It's on YouTube. It's easy yeah. to listen to and watch and whatnot. I, that's what I did while I worked out and showered and everything today was watch that documentary. It was awesome. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. But another thing is when they release, I know I'm jumping all over because I really like the documentary. No, you're good, dude. They get, they, uh, once they released onto Steam Early Access, you know, they they launched and they didn't know. They're like, wow, wow this is probably going to fail. You know, they're just that doubt. And then they, at one o'clock in the morning, they got the numbers and it was just a straight line up. Yep. They just succeeded. And then three months, mu- or uh, it was like six weeks later, um, the, the game designer his dad died. So he's like, I was at a high because our game was doing, I've never had success in my life like this. And then he was even but higher because pers- his dad died and he was just on top of the world. Oh, Nothing could have been better. Gosh, and then a personal low. Oh, no. And it's just like, oh, that's so, that is sad. Maybe not for you guys because you guys are bastards, but. <laughs> uh, I had a dad and I know what he was like, so. 
Oh god. Does it does it does it count as a bastard if I made myself the bastard? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then uh they're making edits and, and whatnot. And a good game command, um, mechanic that I actually agree with, but at the time, you you could just clear the front row and they'd keep on coming forward, the enemies. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have bodies. But when they once they added bodies, they had a shit show of, like, um, review bombing where they just, like, said, you know, zero or thumbs down and just a ton of people just, like, they ruined the game. And what? then they thought they, they, they it was just... They thought they ruined the game too, in some ways. But they're like, but this was a good choice. It was too easy, and the game's not meant to be like. They found a, a too easy of a route, and it's all about the different. You know, they just really messed the balance. So they're like, we got to put the bodies in there. And so um, once they got through all that, and this was, I think, around the time that um, his dad died too. So he's like, this is a major issue. So, you know, the the creative director's like calls him. was like, this is a big issue. We need to figure this out because we're 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 going to be like the indie studio that made that bad mistake and we're going to be known as in textbooks not to make this mistake, you know. Oh, yeah. hello games. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so but it comes to find out it was only like once they did like a big reconnaissance and all that. It was only like 1% of talk and I I kind of believe this in the in the gaming world anyways there's like 1% toxic players always anyways you're always going to run It's always the vocal ones too. And they yeah and they'll always convince some other people too. Oh yeah. And so you'll feel like it's bigger than but those other people can be convinced away. So it's always bigger than it seems. But once they let it lay there for a while and then they finally said, "You know what? We'll let some of the, you guys switch it on and off." So they put that in. They default everything to what they want you to play it as. But they let you switch it on and off, and I—that's I, the perfect you compromise. You can switch the bodies on it and really off. It really is. Yeah. That's the—that's the perfect. Co- you can do a lot of things to make it so um, the gameplay changes. Really? I guess in settings or something like that. Holy mm-hmm. shit! I never realized that. And honestly, it's something that not many game companies, but a few do forget that it's actually a good thing because something in any mm-hmm. business that you want to do is have as broad of a demographic as possible. You definitely want to target a demographic, but you also want to expand that demographic. So for casual players, you do yeah. want the ability there for the game to be more approachable for people that aren't looking for the same thing that your core base is looking for. Yeah. So I think to, like James is saying, to default it the way that it's designed to be played and then have the ability to yep. just click annoying things on and off. Well, and they don't even get, like, for people that, like, had issues with that body thing, I think they had to go find it and turn it off, but now they have the option. So if they, like, and I'm sure most of them got used to it after a while anyways because it really is, like, actually a good mechanic. And it makes the game more fun. I, I agree. It's annoying. Yeah. Well, I That's never, part of the point. I never felt it out of place. It just yeah. seemed like another thing to strategize over. Yeah. Yep. Body drops. It's body, funny. Body's got to be there. I've got some annoyances, but that wasn't even on the list. It wasn't yeah. even considered. Yeah, I've never. I I must have started playing it after they put that in. Well, this is. Uh, I think must have been it was in the after first. the open access, yeah. right? Yeah. So I've. I mean, it's always felt natural. I've loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I love everything about this game, honestly. So it's a, that's it's a tenor. That's everything I want to talk about with the documentary. We gotta. Uh, probably talk some more stuff about what you want to talk about, Shagwa, because uh, we're running out of time. I don't yeah. want this to be another well, just... dead space, whatever. <laughs> yeah, three where it was like yeah. an hour and a half plus. I'll just call it. Uh, I loved it. I hate it. Which is there's a lot to love about the game, and there, but that doesn't mean that it's not. Well, I don't want to call them faults, but things that are not my taste, if that makes sense. So. One of the things from the Love It that I for sure wanted to hit on that we haven't talked about is considering how many characters are in this game with the um, quirks that they implemented, how that plays out when you're in a dungeon is so incredible. Like I had my Crusader roll up on an Iron Maiden and he just 
ex exclamates out. He's just like, oh, what an interesting way to decimate somebody. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so you just learn like these little things about people's personalities. The other one that I really liked is uh, my, my psychosis or what do you call it? Stress got so high on one of my healers that she got a, a quirk called abusive. And what it did was it started to cause her to yell out every turn, or, or at least on her turn, just yell out to your team and basically harass them like you'd get in League of Legends or many other games where you have some players that are jerk wads. And that's every game, by the way. Plenty of games where you have other players involved, just people that are jerks on there. But she was that jerk. And there's two things I loved about it. Is one, um, it's a mechanic that is making sense in the game. They've, they've been crawling through this dungeon. You've been in there for a long time. Your torch burned out, and she's losing it. She's yelling at your party. Like, get your crap together. Let's go. Who trained you how to use that sword? And what it does is it forces stress on the rest of your party. And it's just cool because it gives, even though there's hundreds of characters, it gives them each personality, and yet it matters in the game. Um, on the hate side of that is the mechanic of stress, which, to be fair, I, I confirmed with these guys to make sure that the solution to my worry was in the game, and it is. But stress happens so easily in that game, right out of the gate, and it's such a big factor on the difficulty of the game. And through my playthrough, I, I had yet to find a character where you can reduce stress while in the dungeon. I could do it during camps, and I could do it back at the city or the town, but I had not yet had a character who had a stress removal feature. And considering how quickly and how how impactful stress is, I was like, if there's not a character that can reduce stress, I'm legitimately not playing this game anymore. <laughs> but James has confirmed, um, I haven't really talked about it with you, but James confirmed that there are characters that do it. Actually, I did talk about it with you. Sure did. And that alone, it just makes it another thing that you need to strategize for. I just happened to have a weird roll of luck with the stagecoach where I wasn't, or at least when I was throwing the party together, I wasn't throwing the right guys in. Mm -hmm. And man, I'll tell you what. When the mechanic is that impactful, there damn well better be a way to manage it. And I was like, there were a couple of moments where my heat level was, woo, it was up there, man. But just knowing that there is a thing to utilize to manage it, mm -hmm. even if it's difficult. Difficulty's fine. I'm, difficulty's not something that makes me like a game, but I'm not necessarily put off by it. Needlessness or tedium, those two things will immediately make me hate a game. Doesn't matter how good everything else is. If I find a game tedious to play, I'm out. So that the, the ability to manage that stress is is honestly like knowing that now and and the other complaints that I have about the game, I'd easily an eight out of ten, and I'm right in the beginning of it, and I'm struggling, guys. Like <laughs> I get I get angry, I get frustrated. I can only play for a little while at a time because it's just it's a lot. And I'm still in the learning curve phase, phase as well. So that'll change as I get going. But but I'm loving it. It has all the things I love about traditional RPGs. One thing we also didn't touch about but kind of was mentioned in the documentary section is how similar this game is to a board game to the point where in their, yeah. in their idea phases, they actually had print-to-play board game aspects of it to test mechanics out. But this game really feels like some of my favorite board games that I've ever played, where mm -hmm. you, you need to bring things into the dungeon crawl with you. You need to plan out your approach, and you need to know when to bail. And the the downside of not doing that properly is a heavy cost. Oh, yeah. It's not just like, oh, it's a little harder to win now. It's like, you might have just made it so you don't win. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who plays some more in-depth board games knows that's 
one of the fun things about a board game is figuring out how everything works and then finding your groove. And everyone plays a little differently, and I feel like you can in Darkest Dungeon as well. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it's really cool to have a game blend two things that I really love, board games and RPGs, and it's just it's really cool. Yeah, big takeaways for this game. Download the Darkest Companion on your phone, especially yeah. if you're mobile, trying to <clears throat> play this mobile. I cannot play this game because I cannot remember what teams are do well in what dungeons uh, and all of that bullshit. So Darkest Companion, download it, learn it. It's very easy once you start figuring out what you got to do. But uh, maximize the shit out of your dungeon crawls, boys, and you will see it. But these guys just need uh, higher resolve heroes, that's all. I'm over here with level sixers and level, you know, threes and fours being in my stagecoach. And I ran a thing with level zero and, no, actually it was like twos, a three, and a one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, through just the farmstead, just through the new stuff, and that shit was so difficult. I was, I was missing. They were dodging, and I'm like, not having level six guys with badass trinkets. This shit sucks. Yeah, I've I was only like, got I haven't level seen one, a guys. level forty one crit yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy. And I'm literally critting for forties and fifties. Like mm-hmm. I had a forty one heal earlier. It was incredible. Dang, dude. I take like five damage and I just slap my hands on my face like Home Alone style. Like, yeah. Ah! <laughs> so, so it is like you guys just got to get those. Once you start and then build them as fours. That's the other key is run teams and kind of make them the same team because you want to keep that resolve level the same. Because once you get those guys to level five, they will not go on easy quests anymore. And so if you've got like... You know, you're, you're maxed out dudes, and then you've got, like, a level one guy in a, you know, a medium dungeon. It's kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. So if you run, if you plan to try and run him as four or keep him in those teams or keeping things leveled as you go, it won't be an issue. And then once you have a bunch of level six guys, then, again, it's not an issue. Yeah, and ju- just in the vein of the takeaways, understand that it, you will be frustrated. It will be difficult. But it's, it's one of those games that part of what makes it fun is that f- sense of accomplishment. Oh, yeah, um, dude. It's I- a... F- it's fun and it's really well done. It's really well thought out and well done. Yeah, I don't. I don't like not doing good in these games, and this one kicked the shit out of my face until I finally yep. went two hundred weeks, no deaths. Give him that California smile. <laughs> and I beat the darkest dungeon. Yeah. One of these days, I'll grow some balls and get in the crimson court. <laughs> if you feel like you're doing nothing with your life and you want some accomplishment, at least play this game and least and you'll feel at least somewhat good about yourself when you do good. If you fail the whole time, you, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Anything else, guys? We good? Uh, honestly, I rate this very highly. This one's like a freaking perfect game for me. It's a 10 out of 10. I love that it's complex enough where it feels like it's almost too much, but once you understand it and you figure out the stress and all that bullshit, it's such a manageable game. It's a, a lot of fun. It's like it's a good one to feel like you conquered. Mm-hmm. And yeah. beating the Darkest Dungeon, nothing better feeling. Yeah. And I, I, I have a lot of appreciation for the fact that it's it's so different and they took a risk with it which especially in more established companies a lot of people aren't willing to do they want to do the tried and true this will sell zombies are hot right now let's do that these guys went completely different with the entire design of the game art styles you know they're similar art styles but just the way that they did with the graphics um things they implemented into traditional rpg elements and then some of the fact that you could tell there's some influence from dark souls and just interesting how they chose to implement that. Yeah. So I really respect. I'm glad it was successful. But on top of that, even if it wasn't, good on them for taking a chance and believing in the project. It was just it, yeah. the, the end result is yeah. genuinely a masterpiece. Like it really is. It's not my favorite game by any stretch, 
but it is a masterpiece game. J- James, it's, edit that to make sure it says it is his favorite game. Easy. <laughs> just, Tyson just gave me tinnitus. It's not my favorite game. It's my favorite game. <laughs> Should be easy. <laughs> well, this game has zombies in it, so it's obviously my favorite game. Yep. That's true. <laughs> and so, uh, no, I definitely would rate it. I don't know whatever rating system. Good out of good. I'm doing. I'm gonna, good I'm slash good. Great at, slash great. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one of the high uh, one of the higher ratings you can give it. Um, it's definitely really good. Um, usually these styles, it has to be gringy like this for me to like it. So that's what makes it fun for me. Yeah. If it was some other style, maybe I wouldn't like it as much. I don't know. Yeah. But I do like most of the things. The art style is lovely. It's very. I love Lovecraft. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Having a little bit of a Lovecraftian. Yeah, Lovecraftian style. Give, give James a few minutes to boot up, guys. I'm booting up. <laughs> but Lovecraftian stuff, I love it. Yes. And that's one of my things I love. I love a lot of things about this, and this is what makes this game so fun. But I will definitely have to say, um, for a, a turn-based RPG dungeon crawler kind of style, they, they just they nailed it for portability and all that. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. And I'm so glad it's on the Switch. Yep. So Very excited. Great game. Honestly, it'd be great on mobile. It really would. Like, it, it would, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I always hoped it would when I saw it. I was like, please come out. Please yeah. come out. But it's such a, it's pretty graphically, I mean, it is a pretty heavier game for what it is. Mm-hmm. So very excited for uh, Darkest Dungeon or, or the game and excited for Dankest Dunkirk 2. <laughs> exactly. That's going to be a great game. <laughs> I loved it. Sounds like we all loved it. Chris is going to die over there, but we're going to end this. This has been a great podcast. This is James. And I'm Tyson. And I'm Shagwa. <gasps> Signing off. Peace out. All right, later. Hey, and uh, stop by our merch store and check out the bunny strength stuff. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, good throw in.